I am Tingan, and this is the Parents in Tech Podcast. Welcome to Season 2, where we interview dads who are technology company leaders based in Southeast Asia. After hearing from moms in Season 1, now it's time to speak to dads who are raising kids while striving in their careers. Let's find out the stories, challenges, and advice they have for us. In this episode, I speak to John, founder and CEO of Doyobi and Saturday Kids. John is an education entrepreneur who started Saturday Kids 10 years ago, one of the first coding schools in Singapore. Since then, he has dedicated his life to inspire kids to become curious, self-directed learners. In 2019, John was recognized as an Obama leader in Asia Pacific. He is a father to five children. Hey John, welcome to the Parents in Tech Show. Super excited to have you on board today. Now to begin with, could you just tell us a bit more about your family? Yeah, sure. So I have five kids, no twins, no triplets. So the youngest is turning four in October and the eldest is 11 and three more in between. Wow. Okay. Five kids in today's day and age, I guess, especially in Singapore, not that common. Like tell us a bit more about what that family planning process was like? Was it always right from a young age you knew that you wanted to have five kids or more kids? Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so my wife is a single child. So I think she missed out on having siblings mm-hmm. um, as, as a kid, yeah. right? And so I guess she thought it would be nice to have a big family. And my father has nine siblings. Wow. So <laughs> my father comes from a big family. So I guess it kind of runs in the family. Got it. Okay, so let's go back a bit, a couple of years. Let's talk about how you met your wife and when did the topic of children come into the picture? So we met, I don't know, must be 12 years ago now, 13 years ago. And I guess we both wanted kids. Mm. Uh, I definitely wanted kids. I don't think we necessarily planned to have so many, but for her, you know, she's Catholic and she believes that it's God's gift, right? So, you know, if it's a gift, then we should uh, receive. And so, yeah, and I really enjoy having that time with the kids. And, you know, they grow up so fast, right? So the good thing about having five kids is that every two years, you kind of like have a, you know, newborn and it, it's, you kind of experience it over and over and, you know, it's nice. Definitely. So the question, I guess, is, is five the final number or is that potentially something that uh, you and your wife would, might be open to having more? Well, I always tell people, you know, five is the maximum number of kids I can have if I don't want to drive a bus. <laughs> so I don't intend to drive a bus. So I do. That is a valid reason, valid reason. So John, you know, with all of this and of course what you do professionally, It sounds like there's a lot of links, but first and foremost, can you introduce to the audience what you are doing, what you're building at Doyobi? Yeah, so maybe before I talk about Doyobi, I should start with Saturday Kids because that's how it all started. So I started angel investing, you know, maybe 11, 12 years ago. And as soon as I got into angel investing, I felt that kids should learn how to code because it's such a useful skill and I'm hanging out with all these tech entrepreneurs, right? 
So that's really how Saturday Kids started as a coding school for kids. And we were probably the first in Singapore. But along the way, as I worked with more kids and as, as I started having kids of my own, I realized actually what's far more important is to help kids retain that natural curiosity and imagination and get them to be self-directed learners. So that's really what Saturday Kids is about. And with Doyobi, we are even more intentional about helping kids develop skills and dispositions that would lend themselves to being curious, self-directed, lifelong learners. So with Doyobi, we basically get kids to learn in the metaverse. And I can share a bit more about why the metaverse. Uh, but the short answer is that in the metaverse, we can create opportunities for kids to apply skills that we want them to develop, skills like critical thinking, communication, so, so on and so forth. Got it. A lot to unpack over there. We're definitely going to go into the metaverse, but I want to go back to the Saturday Kids thing, right? Singapore, as with many Asian societies, is probably one of the places with the largest and booming after-school tuition extracurriculars market. I remember I, myself as a kid, sometimes was forced to go through these classes. Pretty much hated it, but it's also just because my parents told me that I had to do it. And of course, I know that's very much different for what you're trying to do at Saturday Kids. So tell me a bit more about the philosophy, how you think about bringing students, bringing children in, and really developing that sense of enjoyment and curiosity instead of, oh man, it's another thing that I have to go for. Yeah, we'd love to hear a bit more about the philosophy, the culture. Yeah, and maybe before we get into that, right, I want to point out that mental health issues and the personal struggles that so many young adults or millennials are facing today, I think in large part is because we were raised in that generation of kids who packed schedules from dawn to dusk, right? And we were just put into classroom after classroom after classroom. And... We never question why. And I guess, you know, as you become adults and you start understanding yourself better, you start to ask, you know, what did I spend my childhood on? Why did I go through that experience, right? And what's the purpose of it all? What's the meaning of it all? And that's exactly what I want to avoid with my kids and, and my kids' generation. So I think... There's a lot to be said about giving kids the time and space to discover their passions and talents. I think there's a reason why after so many years, Ken Robinson's TED Talk is still so widely watched because there's so much truth in that you know 18-minute video. And I think we really need to give kids that opportunity for self-expression that opportunity to find out for themselves you know, what they really care about, what they want to do with their lives. We assume that kids are too young to know what they want to do with their lives, right? But how do we know that they don't know, right? Because especially in an Asian culture where kids are raised to listen to parents and follow instructions, it's natural for kids to to think that, well, if my parents say I should study, I study, right? If my parents say the goal is to get into a good university, then that's what I work towards. 
and maybe that also you know brings up the point that we need kids who can question. So my three-year-old, his favorite phrase is, you know why? Right? He, he's always saying that, you know why? And I'm just count I'm just wondering, you know, how long will it be before he stops asking that? Because he realized that actually very few people care about the why, right? People care about the what and the how. And going back to what I said earlier about the mental health issues um, that adults are facing today, it's I think because adults are starting to ask the why. So what I'm trying to say here is that we need kids to ask why, you know, from age three and retain the ability to keep asking why as they grow older. Okay, so here's going to be a bit, uh, hot take and uh, pardon me for putting you on the spot if it happens. But, you know, essentially what you do at Saturday Kids is offer a place where children can learn coding. Now, I'm sure you have come across students who parents sign them up for it, but actually very quickly they realize there's little to no interest in coding. Have you ever faced such situations? What's the response? How do you deal with such situations, right? Like folks who are just there, grumpy because their parents signed up for it. Honestly, very few kids are like that ah. because when they come into the classroom, it's not necessarily a coding class in the stricter sense of the word, mm. right? What we actually like to tell people is that Saturday Kids is a curiosity school for kids right. disguised as a coding school okay. because that's what parents will pay for, right? <laughs> but what we really want the kids to get out of Saturday Kids is that creative expression, right? And actually what we realized is that kids have very few avenues and opportunities to express themselves. Uh, writing an essay in school, there's a standard format, right? Correct. And you know, certain phrases you need to add in your composition, right? That's how you score. Yep. So, you know, where do kids find that opportunity and avenue to express themselves? And that's what, uh, what we offer kids, right? Uh, so, or at least in the Saturday Kids Classroom, it's not so much about learning the technical skills. Of course, you know, as, a, as part of the process of learning, you would pick up, you know, computational thinking skills, you will learn some CS fundamentals. But I think from the point of view of a kid, he, is, he or she is expressing herself, right? Um, and being creative. And that's what they love about the class. Got it. And Saturday Kids, my guess is it's an in-person kind of experience. And earlier you said Doyobi, it's moving to the metaverse. Like, tell me a bit more about that transition. How did Doyobi come out? And yeah, let's start with that. Then I'm going to ask you, what is the metaverse? <laughs> the idea behind Doyobi actually came out of a conversation I had with a founder I had invested in. Mm. So his name is Kai and he runs Rocket Academy, which is a coding bootcamp for adults. Yep. So one day we were chatting and I just asked him out of curiosity, what is the number one attribute you see in your best student? Hmm. And he said communication skills. So that really surprised me, right? Because right. it's a coding bootcamp. Yeah. So I asked him, you know, why is communication skills so important? And then he explained, you know, the, the importance of being able to articulate your doubts which makes you a better and more effective learner, being able to interview well so you get a job at 
you know, a, a software company, being able to manage people uh, as you become a VP of engineering, uh, all of these take communication skills, right? So through that conversation, I realized that I know so many founders, I have invested in so many over the years. Why don't I go to them and ask them, what is the number one skill you hire for today? And then based on what they tell me, we design a course or a curriculum to help kids learn these skills. So that's how WB came about. Got it. So almost reverse engineering the jobs of the future, preparing students for it. Just so I get some clarity, what is the age range that you are targeting for both Saturday Kids and Doyobi? So Saturday Kids is much wider. Mm. So 5 to 16. Right. And Doyobi is 8 to 12. Got it. And so for these students who are 8 to 12, what is the metaverse to them? I think it's just a virtual world, right? I don't think anybody has agreed on a definition of the metaverse. Some people say that it has to be 3Ds. You know, some people say it's okay to be in 2D. For us, the metaverse is simply a virtual world. And uh, just so that the parents listening to this know, it does not require a headset, at least not, not in uh, the Toyobi metaverse, right? So it's not uh, virtual reality. The reason why we decided to uh, run our courses in the metaverse is simply because I believe the most effective way for kids to learn skills like critical thinking or collaboration or communication is by applying and practicing these skills. So the metaverse allows us to manufacture and design opportunities and situations for kids to apply these skills. So example I like to give is I can explain to a 10-year-old what critical thinking is, right? And you know, spend time talking him through examples of critical thinking. But that is not nearly as effective as putting him in a situation where he has to make a decision, right? And going through the outcome of that decision and reflecting on, you know, how he made that decision and what he would do differently next time, right? So I think that practice and that learning from your mistake is really how you build skills. Got it. And I guess just building on the example of critical thinking, a very important part is also being able to define the right scenarios and environment where they're able to practice this. Out of curiosity, what is perhaps an example of a scenario environment in the metaverse that you set up that helps to practice their critical thinking? Uh, one of the more popular quests we have is a zombie apocalypse quest. And so the kids, well, the, the very first lesson, we basically flood them with news, right? So all sorts of news. So they have to discern what's real and what's fake. And that's very applicable to real life, right? Because there's so much fake news. So they have to decide, okay, which piece of news here is, is real? And if it's real, what do we do with it, right? So that is already critical thinking. And then in subsequent sessions, they survive the zombies. They have to build a new settlement. And so we give them three options, right? You can build your settlement in the mountain, the forest, or the beach. And we give them pros and cons of each option. So then again, you have to apply critical thinking to think about, 
you know, what do you need to survive, right? And which option will give you the best chances of survival. And then because every kid has an opinion, right? Then in a group, they have to learn to debate, discuss, negotiate, and come to an agreement, which is exactly what, you know, we do in real life, right? At work, it's about coming to, to, to a consensus. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Now I can see why it's interesting and it doesn't feel like another tuition class for them, right? It's almost you're coming uh, on an adventure. So, you know, we mentioned critical thinking as one of the key skills. What are perhaps some of the other skills that you think are sorely lacking but are going to be really important as uh, children of this generation grow up? Yeah, so nobody can agree on a standard term for these skills. So some people call it soft skills or life skills or 21st century skills, um, foundational skills, transferable skills. But I think skills like communication, collaboration, creativity, citizenship, right? I think these are all skills that are really needed at work. And going beyond skills, I think it's also about dispositions. So dispositions like confidence and resilience. How do we help kids to become more adaptable, right? Um, so I think it's a, it's a combination of skills and dispositions. And the important thing is to be intentional about helping kids develop these skills. So I think one of the biggest challenge and also the most common pushback when we speak to parents is the parent will say, well, my kid will learn these skills eventually at some point. And my question is how, right? Like if no one is teaching them, they don't just learn these skills magically, right? Some parents will say, oh, you know, they will learn it when they become adults and they go into the workplace. I'm like, isn't that too late? You know, don't you want your child to be confident, to be adaptable, even before they become adults? And I think also one important point to note, and maybe this will resonate with parents, is that these skills are also learning skills. So having these skills and these dispositions will help a child become a better learner. To the Rocket Academy example, right? If you are a better communicator, you are more able to articulate what you don't understand, which makes it much easier for you to learn something. Got it. Now, it's interesting because all these skills that you mentioned, communication, critical thinking, uh, and the dispositions, I think there's no denial right, that these are important. And I think there's a lot of literature, a lot of things on social media that can emphasize that. But I guess the pertinent question is, how is that taught? How is that instructed? How is that even facilitated? In a, I would say a more closed environment, right? So I guess a specific question I have is, what is the role of a Saturday Kids, a Doyobi instructor in helping students to learn those skills? Because it's communication, critical thinking, it's not the kind of thing that I can just say, this is ABC, you memorize it, and then you are a better communicator, right? So tell me a bit more about how the pedagogy, the instruction, the teaching, how does that look like? Yeah, so we actually try to avoid using the words teacher and teach okay. uh, at Doyobi and also at Saturday Kids because we think that kids learn these skills, but we don't necessarily teach them. Yes. And so the role of the adult in a Doyobi class mm. is a facilitator. Right. And it actually 
it's quite difficult to find skilled facilitators in this part of the world because so much of education is basically one direction, right? It's the stage on stage, right? And, you know, the kids are just passively listening and, and absorbing and trying to memorize everything that this sage is saying. And that's not how kids learn, at least, you know, not when they're learning skills like critical thinking. So the role of the facilitator is really to get the kids to engage with each other because obviously, you know, there'll be kids who are much more outspoken and kids who are much more reserved, right? So how does the facilitator get the reserved kid to speak up and get the more outspoken kid to give other people a chance to, to share their opinions, right? And, you know, that's just one example. Um, also, in you know, when the kids are negotiating amongst themselves, right? How does the facilitator step in to kind of mediate and help them, you know, reach uh, a consensus? So these are quite specific skills and it's really not easy to find facilitators who can do this with 10-year-olds. And so um, I, I guess that's the other advantage of doing everything in the metaverse because then we are not limited to talent where we are. So we look for facilitators all over the world. Interesting, interesting. So I think a big part of this is also just unlocking, facilitating the, the development and the practice of the skills. Of course, one I ever need to learn them would be at places like Saturday Kids and Doyobi. But for parents, right? If I'm a parent, I'm thinking about how I can create some of those opportunities for my kids to, to develop, to grow. What is your advice to them? So the first thing is give more unstructured playtime to, to your child, right? The temptation is to pack your child's schedule because you, you feel like, you know, every hour that your, my child is not doing something is wasted time. But actually, unstructured time and being bored is, is great because then your child has to learn how to not be bored, right? And learn to be interested in the things or the people around uh, him or her. And also, I think that feeling of boredom is something that helps a child kind of develop their, their character and personality. Because, you know, if they're constantly stimulated or if they are just, they're just shuffled from one class to another, then there is no time and space for them to even think and reflect. Um, so I, I think unstructured playtime is probably a, a big one. The second one is, I guess, to role model um, what you want your kids to develop, right? So you can't expect that your child will be curious and self-directed if you yourself, you know, after work, you just want to watch Netflix, right? Or if you have no interest in learning anything, right? Because for adults, it's really important that you are learning something all the time. And I was just thinking that I actually spend quite a lot of money every month on private lessons for a variety of things that I'm interested in, right? So I've been learning Japanese for, for years. I started longboarding about two years ago. Um, so I, I do weekly private classes. And then as I got older, I, I realized that, okay, I need to strengthen my core. So now I have private Pilates class, right? And my point is that there's so much to, to learn 
And as a parent, you need to model this for your child and help your child understand that learning is not confined to the classroom and it's not limited to the four subjects that you have to sit for an exam for. I think that's interesting, right? Because also one, one challenge that I think parents have, it's this desire um, to do exactly like you said, to model, to create opportunities or unstructured playtime. Uh, but I, I still feel like we live in an environment where there is a stereotype, this notion that, hey, you need good grades to get anywhere in life. Yeah, would love to hear a bit more about your thoughts on on that, right? Because I think that definitely is changing, but it's changing slowly, right? Uh, it's not as fast as we like to see. There's this tension that exists between getting grades that ultimately you get into a good enough school versus this whole, I would say, a lot more holistic development. So would love to hear your thoughts around these, this tension. Yeah, so when I ask these founders, you know, what do you hire for today? I don't think anybody said, uh, first of all, I need to look at their grades because for them, it's completely irrelevant, right? You know, it's what if you got straight A's for, you know, your your high school years. It, what matters to employers is how can you contribute to the organization from day one? What can you do, you know, in my organization that will help us get better or get bigger? And, and so the response that I get from asking these founders, you know, they'll say things like um, critical thinking or, or reasoning from first principles, problem solving, uh, communication skills, creativity. And I reckon that at some point, especially for certain jobs that require more problem solving skills or more imagination, employers will, will stop hiring based on academic credentials and start hiring based on portfolio, based on skills. Maybe Google is a good example, right? So in the past, Google is famous for being obsessed with academic credentials, right? Before you even get an interview, they need to know what your GPA is. But about a year ago, they uh, launched three different certification courses, data science, marketing and something else. And then they announced that if you can finish the six-month certification course, you can apply for a full-time position at Google without a degree, right? So point here is that I think increasingly employers are willing to overlook what academic achievements a candidate has and prioritize the skills that the candidate brings to the organization. So going back to what I said earlier about questioning, I question whether a degree is still going to be relevant five years from now, 10 years from now, right? And I think what's scary is that parents today spend so much money and so much of their child's time trying to help them get that degree. And what happens if your child has that degree and no other marketable skill and 10 years from now employers say you know what actually we don't care about degrees anymore show me what else you got what's the child going to do or what's the young adult going to do yeah yeah i think that's so true right and and i think the the scary part is that often i i view this for myself and i have to call myself out often parents project what they either they achieved or what they did not achieve on their children, right? And so it's almost like you set certain ambitions and 
those are based in mental models that perhaps still are relevant in our generation. But when it comes to Dias, it might totally change. It might totally be different. Um, so I, I, I can totally relate to the part about uh, having to, to be forward thinking, having to do the uncomfortable thing of really asking what would be relevant in future. I guess related also on that note, John, I would love to understand a bit more about relationship with technology and screens, right? I think one big part is, of course, we want to ensure that our children are savvy. They are aware of what's on there. But we also do know that uh, there is a very real screen addiction that I would say it's not just children, but we ourselves also face. Love to hear a bit more about how you are thinking about navigating that, especially when you run a school where, well, I guess for Saturday kids, maybe not so much, but my assumption about Doyobi, when you say metaverse, it's, well, kids need to access it through a screen in one form or the other. So maybe talk to me a bit more about how parents can think about navigating that balance between what is healthy versus what is not so healthy. Yeah, so I think the first thing to bear in mind is that there is productive screen time and non-productive screen time. Mm. So to me, productive screen time is when kids are in creator mode, right? They're building something mm. on, on their computer, right? whether, whether it's writing code or designing something uh, or le- even learning a skill, right? Skill building is still building something. And then there is obviously non-productive screen time right, where they're just watching YouTube videos mindlessly or I'm on the fence about playing games because a lot of parents think that playing games is a a waste of time. I actually think you learn a lot uh, through playing video games. Mm. And I'm not a gamer and I I never played games when I was a kid. And I wish I did actually because, you know, when I speak to founders, um, so many of them actually, they, they said they, they used to be gamers, you know, when they were younger and they learned, a, you know, a bunch of skills through gaming. Mm. But it's a double-edged sword, right? So my eldest son is unschooled, right? So he doesn't go to school. We took out when he was in primary four and we put him in an online school called Kubrio. And um Kubrio organizes all these clubs, right? Like 3D modeling or um, archaeology or whatever, you know, the, the child is interested in. So that's part of the offering. And then the, the core offering is these learning pods where my son gets to meet the same kids every day in the afternoon for their daily check-in. But the kids are from all over the world, right? And he has never met them in person but they are from all over the world. So I think there are a couple of benefits there. One is that my son is, you know, he's very global compared to, I think, most kids his age because he spends so much time interacting with um, kids from outside of Singapore. And by the way, that's also something that Doyobi offers, which is we try to get kids from different countries to be in the same class. And the second thing is that in a Kubrio class or in a Kubrio check-in, you are expected to speak up, right? You're expected to contribute. So I think my son is a lot more confident speaking up and sharing um, compared to um, kids his age. The downside is that because he has so much time at home, he plays a lot of games or he spends a lot of time gaming, right? And it's a little bit out of control. So on the one hand, I don't want to be looking over his shoulder all the time and asking him, you know, what do you do between 11 to 12? What about 12 to 1? 
on the other hand, you know, once he gets into a game, I mean, games are designed to be addictive, right? They're designed to, you know, get you to spend as much time as possible playing the game. So for an 11-year-old, it's really hard for him to pull himself out of that environment. Um, so it's something that we are grappling with. I don't have uh, a solution. Um, but all I want to say is that there's definitely productive screen time. And I think it's risky for parents to, to think that all screen time is bad and therefore, you know, no screens for my kids. One more thing I'll add is, uh, this is through a conversation with another parent. He said the reason he signed his son up for Doyobi is because he thinks that kids need to learn how to socialize and interact online because that is the future of work. So obviously in school, you learn how to socialize with your friends, you know, in the, in the playground or during recess or whatever. But do you know how to socialize and interact and collaborate online? Because probably what the future of work look like, right? And you need to interact with people, not just like yourself, but people from different parts of the world who speak different languages, have different cultures. So I think he gave a really important perspective, which is that Singaporean parents need to redefine what success means. Because our generation, right, our parents' definition of success is if you can go to a good university and you get a good job at a bank or a law firm or be a you are set right and it's very limited to where we are geographically right the, like Singapore is wealthy enough that you can just be successful here I don't think that's the case anymore and that's actually the point that the parent is making that his definition of success for his son is that his son needs to be able to succeed anywhere he is in the world right so you know fate takes him to I don't know, America or takes him to Peru. He needs to be able to succeed in Peru, right? Not just in Singapore. I think that's really important. Got it. I really like that. So John, I'm going to ask you, what does success for your kids look like? I think ultimately you want your child to be happy, right? Yep. You want them. I mean, no, no parent will say, I, I, you know, I don't want ha happiness for my child. Beyond happiness, what I think is important is that they find meaning in whatever they do. Um, and that's always been like the North Star for me um, when I think about how I live my life. It's always been about, you know, is this meaningful to me? And am I making a difference to somebody, right? And I, and I hope that that's how my sea life, which is that, it's not just about personal happiness, right? Because, you know, you, you can be an Instagrammer and, you know, be happy for however long. But are you, are you meaningfully contributing to the world? And there are so many problems um, the world is facing, right? That humanity is facing. And the, the earlier or the sooner we get our kids to understand these issues, right? Issues like, climate change and equality and human rights and democracy, the, the sooner, you know, they, they are exposed to different causes and maybe one particular cause will resonate with them, right? And so that is my definition of success for my kids, that they are happy 
doing what they do and making a difference to to somebody, right? And hopefully not just somebody in, in their family or somebody in their community, but to, to the world because yeah, there are just, you know, too many challenges the world is facing and we keep putting the can down the road, right? And how long can you do that for? You know, yesterday, Singapore was 24 degrees, London was 40. Like, I never imagined in my lifetime that, you know, Singapore will be 16 degrees cooler than London. That's climate change, right? I, mean, I think, you know, we need our kids to be aware of these challenges and start thinking about how they're going to solve these. I think that's so well said, right? Like, how can our children be happy, of course, but not just consumers, but actually creators, contributors, and builders. This has been a really fruitful conversation, John. To wrap up our time today, if I gave you a billboard tomorrow that all parents would see, what would be on that billboard? That's a really difficult one. Is that advice for parents or, or to kids? Uh, to parents. So parents will be looking at that billboard. It will be something along the lines of, you know, help your child make a difference. Mm. I think that, that's why it is, right? Yeah. And, and question everything. Makes sense. Help your child make a difference and question everything. It's been such a joy to speak with you, John. Thank you so much for taking time off to chat. And yeah, really glad to have you on the show. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Parents in Tech podcast with me, your host, Tsingen. We hope you were inspired on how to raise kids and build companies. To catch up on earlier episodes or stay updated with upcoming ones, head over to www.parents.fm to join our community of parents in tech. There, you can also drop me a question, idea, feedback or suggestion. Once again, the website is www.parents.fm. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time.